0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Good morning. We have a long passage and we're going to highlight the key verse with my first slide. Um, Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Adele helped us with that. Remember the noble things, the true things. So don't you remember? A book title caught my attention recently uh, while I've been preparing for this sermon. And it's God on mute. I've been teaching on Zoom at my old job for a couple of weeks and zoom lingo caught my eye god on mute we sometimes put god on mute or my students put themselves on mute and put the video off and disappear Um, this is a book by a man called Peter Grieg and it's intensely personal and honest a book born out of his wife Sammy's fight for life, she had a brain tumour and Grieg asks the timeless questions of silence of God suffering in life and to pray uh, suffering through the silence and when your prayers seem unanswered and Grieg relates that this is the hardest thing when God seems to be on mute there are five events in our passage in Mark chapter 8 and they seem to highlight our difficulty of hearing God and our difficulty seeing him and fear kicks in I woke up this morning with a sinking feeling in my stomach and I'll let you guess why so where might you, we be putting God on mute and ourselves on mute? Now, there are two ways we can do this in our passage. We can do it deliberately, um, slide three, like the, the Pharisees um, or unwittingly and unintentionally. So do we deliberately put God on mute so we can't hear or see him like the Pharisees? Or maybe we don't really realize we're doing it and... Um, We're new to Zoom and we forget that we're on mute, but you can do it unwittingly, unintentionally, as was the case with the disciples. Now, my next slide is why? Why do we do this? And I've got some reasons out of this passage, some possibilities, but actually behind them all is fear I reckon and we don't always recognize our fear because it manifests in different ways doesn't it we're grumpy or we're exhausted or um yeah we distract ourselves so the crowds were about to faint so we can be fainting you know that can be a reality um we're about to collapse or we can be fobbing god off we can be like the pharisees We're there to test God and we're not really um, seeking true answers. We're fobbing him off with insincere gotcha questions, the journalism term with gotcha questions. And the Pharisees didn't get what they were asking Jesus for. um, And maybe they were left frustrated and fuming. In verses 11 and 12, as Jesus got back in the boat, he snubbed them and left them on the shore I see them empty-handed there um and in verse 16 the disciples they're floundering they're fretting they're they're fussing they're failing to see they're not um realizing what Jesus wants them to see and they're um yeah we'll get to that but this morning which one are you are you fainting, about to collapse fobbing Jesus off frustrated fuming maybe fretting there are three things I want us to see in the passage and a couple of them we'll get through today and then next week part two God on mute we'll um, see the third part and Peter but here's my outline in verses one to ten slide five we see how God um, wants us to deal with fear and and whatever with fainting fuming or whatever he his compassion and he sees the crowd he has compassion so we we remember we can be seen the second division with the Pharisees and the disciples I've got uh, verses 11 to 21 and here there's some correction happening he refuses to give the Pharisees what they want and then he um, coaxes he coaches the disciples through a series of quick fire questions and then finally uh, Peter says who he really is we see Christ and next week we'll see how Peter puts God on mute First part, compassion, the crowd and watch what Jesus does in these verses, he he sees them, they can be seen and they're about to collapse and he, tell, he, he gets his disciples involved, he says I have compassion for these people, they've already been with me three days and they've got nothing to eat, so he's setting up this miracle he's about to perform. And he gets everyone involved. And he, he, the disciples, they, we're in a remote place, we can't find food here. Jesus is doing his miracle in steps and he's getting the disciples on board. He asks how many loaves they have. They've only got seven and a few small fish. He gets the cooperation of the crowd and he asks them to sit down when we're about to faint it's easy to sit down but it's Jesus style he never coerces he he gets our cooperation he he respects our free choices but the crowd do sit down and then Jesus thanks God I wonder what the disciples and and the crowd see they see Jesus thanking God they hear him thanking God they recognize the relationship within this miracle of uh, thanking God and then very significantly he breaks the bread that becomes super important with um, Jesus Um, but they saw his compassion and then of course they taste the bread and the fish they got to eat the disciples distribute Um, and here's my principle for this section the compassion slide 7 The compassion of Christ diagnoses our need to sit down and feed our faith. The compassion of Christ diagnoses our need to sit down and feed our faith. The ultimate expression of God's compassion is in a well-known verse, well-quoted verse amongst Christians. Um, it, It has the central belief of christianity which is to believe in jesus christ and this verse tells us how to live within the realizations of what we're fainting about is that god loves us he has compassion for us we can be seen he knows what we're going through and he sent his son jesus christ into this hurting fainting, collapsing world, to give us good news of the gospel, that Jesus came to live, die, and rise again from the dead to save us and to give us eternal life. So the next slide is a quote from God on Mute, the book. When we are scared and hurting, when life feels chaotic and out of control, It's more important than ever to anchor ourselves in the absolute and eternal truth that we are dearly loved and deeply held by the most powerful being in the universe. Jesus feeds our faith with his compassion so what about you are you about to collapse or faint something difficult in your life I heard yesterday someone we know their daughter and granddaughter were killed in a tragic car crash you know stuff is out there for us to faint and collapse about life can be very hard so are you on the verge of collapse maybe you've journeyed a long way you're in a remote place don't know where to turn it's been a long haul. Well, Jesus sees you. He has compassion. He knows what you're going through. Maybe it's the time in your life to sit down calmly and experience a miracle. Is your heart open to a miracle? It may be hard, like the Pharisees we're going to meet in the next division to change. You know, your reputation's at stake. Um, too much, you're, you're a bit hesitant about coming to Jesus. <laughs> and we'll meet these Pharisees because they can't see Jesus for who he is either. So our next um, section about correction, two groups of people here. that can't see Pharisees, verses 11 to 13 and then the disciples but first the pharisees they've come ready for a debate they're ready to fight they're they got they're here not to ask honest questions they've got their gotcha questions they're here to test we read to test jesus uh it, they they'd seen they had seen signs I bet, I'm guessing, we, we know that they'd seen signs, but they still hadn't seen them. So it's possible to see but not see. And it was the very reputation of Jesus that, that made them come and ask for signs. Uh, but it was to test him and they were out to defend their own reputations, weren't they? they but Jesus, look at his response. He saw right through their, their questions. And he doesn't give them the sign. The yeast Jesus warns about in verse 15, hints of unseen corruption and coming from a place of unbelief. So they'd already made up their, their minds about Jesus. So they weren't there asking the honest questions. And Jesus' response is a, a big sigh. He's groaning in his spirit and he's saying, why? Why? Why does this generation seek a sign? Um, It's not an open, humble generation asking for help. This was a dishonest group of Pharisees to test him, to trap him. And very emphatically, Jesus refuses. He says, no sign for you. The gotcha questions they had masked the truth and make make you made them unable to believe so their faith was not fed Jesus leaves them on the shoreline he gets into the boat then the disciples can't see either they get a different kind of response from Jesus a different correction if you like corrective response now their hearts and minds are open they follow Jesus they're with Jesus but they are a bit floundering and fretting and confused. Um, they think Jesus is warning them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Herod. And Herod. They think he's um, criticizing their lack of provisioning and not having enough bread. And one translation says that they um, were blaming each other for not having enough bread. They're failing to see. They're, t- they're, they're having the wrong conversation. Um, and Jesus is questions come thick and fast. What are you talking about? Why are you so preoccupied about having no bread? Why are you discussing lack? Don't you still do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Well duh, they just had a four thousand people plus women and children fed, right? Um, are your hearts hardened? Aren't your eyes working properly? Can't you see? Don't you remember? but the result of all this questioning is that they do see well you know they are reminded and they humbly answer i sort of feel they're a bit sheepish but they do humbly respond to jesus 7 12 you know they're they're giving how many basketfuls of leftovers were there so they give him the right answer um and uh yeah so we know that a hard heart relates to not believing not seeing but these guys eventually got it. They, they stuck with Jesus and they're humble and teachable. He leads them along so that their eyes of faith will be opened. He feeds their humble faith. Here's my second principle. Jesus' correction focuses on feeding faith. He's not there to make you look stupid. Jesus, if you're honestly coming to Jesus, He feeds your faith. Jesus's correction focuses on feeding faith. So what questions is Jesus asking you? And are you answering humbly? Now, whether you're fobbing Jesus off or fretting, or focusing on the wrong conversations, frustrated even, and fuming. Jesus still wants us to get to the right feeding trough, he wants us to get the right news feed, the right source of truth, which is himself. Jesus said he is the bread of life. We need to focus on Jesus, not our fear of change, not our fear of our reputation, like the Pharisees. What are you asking Jesus? What? What what have you been praying? Here's another quote from God on Mute. Because what we ask for may not be exactly how Jesus, what Jesus gives us. I'm sure the Pharisees didn't expect Jesus to get in the boat and snub them. And the disciples, they're keen to hear what Jesus has. Jesus may, he will answer, but he may answer differently from what, um, what we expect. So here's another quote from God on Mute. I asked for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing that I asked for. All that I hoped for. My prayer was answered. I was most blessed. How do you feed your faith? What are your discussions about? What are your conversations? And how willing are you to sacrifice in order to spend time with Jesus? Do you go to Jesus as a prayer, in prayer as a key source? Is he your newsfeed? Do you read his words every day? Where are you starving your faith? through neglect of the Bible maybe do you ask him about your dilemmas and confusions and confusion and do you persevere going to him for answers next week we'll see how Peter tries to put God on mute and I'd like to pray for us as I conclude Lord God, help me discern my need of you in a way that means I'll listen to you and see you. Help me see that maybe I'm just fretting for the wrong reasons. Um, Lord, help me not to faint without coming to you. Uh, Lord I don't know if I'm fobbing you off sometimes Uh, maybe too busy to read the Bible and pray please help me where am I blind help me to look up and see you Lord Jesus and help me understand what I don't understand and maybe it will always be a mystery but help me to trust you as the Son of God And even when you seem to be on mute, God, in the dark, help me believe the truth that you are there, that you are a compassionate God, and that you sometimes want to correct me. Oh God, help my heart to be humble and open to you. And in your name I pray. Amen.